This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by eight amazing people. Greg Ross, Illuminati, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, Michael Fritschke, Yvonne Williams, and Doug Malam. Thank you all so very much for helping make this show possible. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And I am here with a returning red pill junkie. Good evening to you all. Christopher Ernst. Hey, everybody. And Saxon Superman. <laughs> Saxon Superman. Hello, everybody. <laughs> some of those words are appropriate. Just fun to change the order. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get all the adjectives at some point. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, what happened in 2023 in you know relation to stuff we talk about on this show. And honestly, I don't feel like a lot happened. But we, well, we, of course, we can't we can't pass up the fact that it was the year of disclosure. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, like, nothing happened. Come on. David Grush is now in everybody's minds and lives. Sorry, I'm being facetious. <laughs> yeah, look, 2023 started with a bang, literally, with a Chinese balloon going bang. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it ended up with a with a whimper, you know, <laughs> with a whimper brought by... by uh, Promises of Disclosure and paper mache alien dolls brought to Mexican Congress. <laughs> but that was in September. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we can't, we can't, of course, ignore the big news of this year, 2024, which is that aliens invaded a mall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst. The, uh, someone had sent me a video of it and the guy doing the video is like zooming in on this, like helicopter footage and being like, you can see the aliens right there. I'm like, that's a, that's a video glitch. Like, what are you, yeah. what are you seeing as aliens? Like, are you just set to believe this stuff or are you just doing this for the hits? Uh, all that made me feel like is like, uh, the, the possibilities of social engineering, uh, through social media, even as an accident are, are sort of phenomenal um if, if people don't know what we're talking about i think everybody probably does but there was a mall uh, in miami where some kids were fighting with fireworks and so there was a law enforcement response that was large because they thought the fireworks were uh, active shooters yeah yeah and somebody posted a video on tiktok claiming there were shadow aliens and then everybody else started jumping on it it, it was just wild and then they tried to connect it to the the uh, discredited Las Vegas UFO sighting. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, the, that lot, Las Vegas sighting was her. When was that? The summer? Something, Something like that. Yeah. I probably have here on my notes. Uh... Which was essentially uh, turned out to be. Well, I feel like there was more to it, but the person who ended up posting it was like, you know, a, trying to be a paranormal social media influencer or something like that. But. There was something else weird about it. I don't know if any of you guys remember. It wasn't June seventh, twenty twenty-three. Yeah. It was a uh, and it was prompted for because of a green meteor sighting. Yeah, you know that's right. probably the reasons yeah. why 
the police officers who responded to the call actually, you know, gave it the, the benefit of the doubt at first. And then they didn't have their body cams on, so people assumed cover-up. That's it, yeah. yeah. Or they turned them off or something like that. Yeah, for privacy concerns, which is weird, you know, since when are police officers worried about privacy of right, citizens? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to figure, like, anything like that to people who want to believe in this stuff immediately becomes proof. Yeah. You know, oh, they turned their body cams off. The only explanation is that they didn't want the aliens on video. Yeah, that's right. We know that mm-hmm. law enforcement in the United States never does anything with the body cams turned off. Except no. Cover up. Yeah, except cover up aliens. Exactly. Uh, well, it, I mean, I, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I know some of us have gotten some feedback for uh, basically being skeptics or debunkers. But it's just, you know, you can't always jump to the conclusion that uh, it's something extraterrestrial paranormal, just like with the police response to the mall in Miami. Like, that's not indicative of aliens in there. That's there were loud noises that were bangs in a crowded area. And we're very sensitive about those things these days. That's a pretty appropriate response, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean... I don't know. It's just like the the jump to aliens is so ridiculous. Yeah, see, even the dog even the agrees. Dogs. Absolutely. Even the Sorry dogs. about that, guys. Hold on. But uh, I was want to mention, well, one of the other uh, stories of 2023 uh, that we should talk about uh, that is kind of related to, to the, develop- the development scene in both Las Vegas and, and Miami is the story of, uh, of what happened in Peru, in this, uh, you know, Indian village of Iquitos. Yeah. People who were saying that they were being attacked by these uh, tall entities. And at, at first, it, it's a very complicated story because at first, uh, 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 the spokesperson from the village said that they, would, they were like aliens because they were dressed like the Green Goblin in the first Spider-Man movie. And they were able to fly or hover with some t- type of technology. They were bulletproof and, and so on and so forth. And then uh, there were even, you know, some mass hysteria and there was some another grainy video that were people were trying to interpret on the interwebs uh, showing uh, people going crazy and, and firing on on something like uh, like where that was seemingly perched on, 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 the, on a tree branch. Uh, and it's interesting to see, you know, how people react this, the same way to all sorts of video, grainy videos from both Miami and from, from Peru. But in, in the end, uh, apparently p- people said that uh, these were illegal miners that were just, you know, there uh, to conduct, uh, I don't know, uh, illegal prospecting of uh, mineral ores mm. in that region. But mm-hmm. And they were using jetpacks, but... It, this is kind of like reverse skepticism on my part because the like the, the skeptic explanation to me sounds just as nonsensical as the fantastical explanation of of ascribing them to alien beings right. because right. jetpack technology is not that advanced. Yeah, you know, we, we've seen those videos of people using right. jetpacks and and they are really. Uh, fantastic compared to I don't know what what we saw people people my age back in 1984 you know in in the Los Angeles Olympic Games 
You know, back in the, the, the jetpacks were only airborne for a minute or maybe even less. And yeah. now they are far more reliable. But still, I don't think a jetpack can, uh, you know, maneuver on, you know, on the thick of the jungle, you know, with also all those trees canopies. And, you know, I mean, do they really have that technology for that kind of use? I mean, exactly. well, well, why, are, yeah. why are legal illegal miners using cutting edge technology just to harass yeah. poor villagers? I mean, I come from a third world country, Mexico, who also suffers from problems like illegal logging and, and so on. And not, not to be crude, but. The methods these Mexican criminals use are far more efficient and cheaper and and simpler. You know, they just kill people. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, you know, so to your point, Red Pill, like, you know, if you're trying to survey an area, you know, people just use drones. You know, exactly. They're not expensive. Or you use satellite imagery. But you don't have to yeah, get those arm units. I, you know, those things fly a little bit longer than the stuff that, you know, you're talking about from the 84 Olympics, but they're still not like something you can go fly for hours. I think they can fly for like 15 or 20 minutes. The best examples Tops. I've seen. Yes. Yeah. Is, is like when they were talking about using them for search and rescue and some like rugged terrain areas made sense. That was yeah. so you could get a person to another person that was trapped on the, you know, uh, inaccessible area. But that is it. Exactly. You know, it's, uh, well, my question becomes then, is it something maybe the government has that the government was doing? Um, because I'm guessing that jetpack technology for the U.S. government is much different than what you're going to get commercially available. <laughs> it might be. And that crossed my mind, too, Soraya. Um, it, my thought was that it seemed like, you know, because... I think we all kind of ended up at the same conclusion that if you're going to survey a forest, you're not going to do it with jetpacks. But if you were testing something else out, um, you know, that might be a good place to do it. And it wouldn't be the first time that they made a show of something that uh, was just top secret technology. Right, right. I would still think it's got to be drones, though, because I feel like at this point, most military technology is going away from the like, hey, if we can not have people involved, the sure, less people, the better. You know, That's true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a difficult question because I think that we in our field, I mean, people who are interested in Fortean phenomena and also conspiracy thinking have this tendency to over romanticize uh, the capabilities of the U.S. government. We speculate, oh sure. my God, they, they yeah. must have anti-gravity technology by now. They must have super advanced uh, fast computers and even artificial intelligence by now. They must have, uh, you know, directed energy weapon technology. They must have space stations <laughs> orbiting the planet or maybe other planets by now, you know, the right. secret the secret space program, all these yeah. things that we, but maybe the, the, the real answer is that, is that they just pretend to have this in order to deter their adversaries. Like take, for example, sure. one sure. of the other stories that broke in, in 2023, and I know 
people listening to this that we're not really doing a, 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 a proper listing of, of things that were going all over the place. But that's all right. Anyway, that's a, that's a conversation. But some of the other things that happened in 2023 is that uh, some journalists managed to delve a little deeper into the mystery of Havana syndrome. Oh, yeah. Which is a story that has been going on since yeah. at least, I want to say, 2017. That's, yeah. I think is when, when the, the public... Uh, started to hear of the, of these reports of uh, diplomats and people people in public service of from the U.S. government stationed in Havana, Cuba, that were reporting all these weird uh, health problems like having headaches and having memory losses and having blurry visions, nosebleeds uh, after suffering from uh, some type of experience in which they had, they felt a, a, a terrible pressure on, in their heads and, and, and a very loud ringing, sometimes that it sounded like, uh, like the sound of cicadas or maybe even crickets. And, and the story has been going back and forth from people who claiming this was this was some kind of sonic weapon to people dismissing it, saying it was just uh, imagination and paranoia, you know, even saying that it was just crickets. And now that there are reporters who, and even and declassified, I think it was a CIA report saying that they were suspecting it was, in, in fact, some kind of like microwave uh, electromagnetic, you know, weapon that was aiming at, at, at these uh, uh, people from the U.S. government. So obviously yeah. most people point fingers to the Russians because they will be the only ones will be capable of, of developing that kind of, of technology. Certainly I think it, it is beyond the capabilities of the, the, the Cubans. But getting back to, to my point is that then you will think that the Americans, the almighty Americans, will be able to have countermeasures to, to protect their personnel against such weapons if they had they had been developing themselves. But no, what the American government did is they pulled off all their personnel from, from Cuba, including the CIA agents that were stationed there. So that goes to show yeah. that maybe the U.S. government is not that all that powerful. Well, sure. And, and, and I think it depends on what, because you're, you're most advances are not coming from the government. They're coming from black projects, companies hired by the government to work on different technology. Um, and are generally not have no oversight. You know, they're just given trillions of dollars to work on various projects. So some of them probably aren't doing anything, but some of them probably have some pretty interesting technology that may not even be shared with the government. Well, that's that's Grosh's um, pretty much uh, uh, whole rationale, right? Yeah. That there is all these legacy programs, quote unquote, that have been studying for decades, recovered alien craft, sometimes intact, even maybe pilots. Uh, what what is he calling non-human biologics, which is such an umbrella term that it could be it could mean anything, you know, <laughs> right, a mosquito. Right. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, right. To some I, I algae, qualified as that you know? some mornings. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you haven't had some coffee. So, 
and 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 I guess that's one of the reasons why even people like AOC and people who are may not be that convinced with the evidence that that the U.S. does possess alien craft want to go deeper into these stories because they do feel there's a terrible lack of oversight yeah. in all these programs that siphon I don't know if trillions but certainly billions of dollars from taxpayers money into things that no one knows what they're doing or yeah. what kind of uh, you know checks and balances you know maybe some people are just getting filthy rich and and getting assets in 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 fiscal paradises, you know, to have a cushy, a cushy retirement plan after they leave government. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe someone does have stored somewhere in a hangar uh, an intact flying saucer. Right. I mean, we haven't, the thing about that is that the truth is, I mean, you, you go back to somebody like, you know, uh, you know, Catherine Austin Fitz, who I don't personally care for most of her ideas, but I do think she's telling the truth about, you know, some of the things that she experienced in terms of the wasted money and the money that was essentially being you know funneled into exactly what you guys are saying but that's we already know this i mean we know that the pentagon can't can't have it you know like they don't can't have a successful audit in like years you know yeah. so this is not it doesn't like you said it doesn't necessarily have to be like you know a bunch of old spaceships this is uh you know this is essentially it, it could be of course yes but this is still this is the whole eisenhower you know uh military industrial complex it's it's a lot of people that are making money off of it. yes yeah oh for sure and you know just going back to like drones particularly because i i follow this a lot uh you know uh, different companies that are developing like you know what you would basically consider like air taxis and stuff like that and there are so many of these in flight testing now. Uh, you've got that guy that has the drone that he stands on and flies around. You know, he started dressing like Green Goblin in some yeah. of his videos now. Sure. Uh, you've got the guys that uh, developed the system that we were talking about earlier where, you know, you have the, uh, uh, the, the uh, jet vents are basically on the arms of the person. You know, and, and the thing about it is if you start talking about UAPs and then something like that goes by and you haven't seen it before and you're not familiar that these things are out there and we're kind of on the cusp of a lot of this stuff being everywhere it's gonna look really bizarre to you um and i think that's one of the challenges we've had where a lot of this stuff is is really close to being mundane everyday technology but it's not quite there and all of these companies are either some of them have government contracts but the other thing is they don't want anybody else to know what they're working on because they don't want them to compete with them when they go to market and uh, it's it's going to be interesting how some of that plays out. But the the other end of that is we don't really see it. And then, you know, if somebody uh, from rural United States saw one of these air taxis fly by uh, while they were driving around somewhere. And, of course, they're testing these things out in the middle of nowhere because they don't want anybody to get hurt if it crashes. It looks like a UFO. Also, we shouldn't also discard the fact that maybe some of these uh, lack projects are, are covered up not to uh, protect uh, technology from competitors but just to conceal incompetence you know? like best you read into yeah. the story of how some uh, aircraft like this I think is the b22 Osprey you know the, the one that is capable of b vertical 
takeoff and landing right. that was supposed to replace uh, all the the old uh, helicopters that was used by the Marines since the years of Vietnam. And and I, I remember reading a, a, an article in Wired magazine a long time ago, and it took decades, decades for this program to to actually come to a place where the technology was semi semi operable. And I say semi operable because these aircraft are still highly unstable and dangerous. I think I, I think it was last year actually that some Marines died. I don't know if it was in yes. the Sea of China or something, uh, but uh, there were casualties. So uh, and, and we have to consider that many of these projects probably are just siphoning millions and millions of, of dollars each year, promising to all the, the big hunches, the, all the, the brass, the top brass on the Pentagon. Oh, yes, General, don't worry. It's coming nicely, you know, next year. Next year, we'll have all the kinks ready, you know, so all solved, uh, and we'll go to full production. And then years go by, years go by, and the generals say, well, what happened with, with my B-22 vertical takeoff, damn it? And it turns out that it never managed to, they, they never managed to solve all the kinks, and they scrapped the projects. Right, yep. Oh, totally. So, um, there was a, well... Obviously, like we already said, 2023 was the year of disclosure, as promised, which <laughs> left us with a, a few more um, uh, ambiguous videos. Uh, and that's the thing: like, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you're gonna we're gonna get high quality, undeniable videos. We're gonna have material evidence, and we're not getting that. We're just getting these these videos. And someone, have you guys seen the jellyfish video? Oh yeah! Oh for dear God, yeah. dear God, yeah. no! Right. <laughs> you uh, had to go there, Soraya. So <laughs> this, this was you captured. Son of a. <laughs> this was captured. Well, this is interesting. It was captured in fall of 2017, and um, so this guy was researching it, and uh, he was talking to uh, one of the people who's you know like who who analyzed it or whatever was there, and the guy's like, yeah, all the stuff people are saying, you know, like okay. Regarding the claims, the object descended into the lake, then shot out of the lake at high speed. Uh, Sinkowski says, I never saw that. At no point did it ever shoot out of the lake or into the sky. He also states that no one else was at the base, no one else on the base, including the PTDS team, ever saw that happen. Uh, in regards to the claims of the object changing temperature in the video, Sinkowski agrees this could simply be the camera adjusting exposure levels. It's pretty standard to adjust exposure of the sensor to get a better view while tracking an object. Um, he thinks it could have been an artifact on the lens of the housing. Uh, one of the PTDS balloon surveillance cam, which is uh, of the PTS, uh, PTSD, PTDS balloon <laughs> surveillance camera. Um, the team, however, disagreed with his theory as they constantly clean and maintain the balloon systems. In fact, right after the jellyfish sighting, the balloon was brought down, serviced, and cleaned. Um, he does concede there are details in the video that don't fully support his artifact theory and thinks a potential cluster of balloons is an interesting theory, but it was too static to be balloons. Um, when asked to choose between an object being something ailing or prosaic, he said the latter. Uh, but the thing is that... Uh Today, a few hours later, Green Street had a, a second interview with that guy, and now he's backtracking Is a he? little bit. Yeah, because apparently he talked to, who, guess who, Corbell. Oh. So now he says that he he may, he <laughs> thinks that there may be a second longer video that he's not aware of, 
And now, apparently, he's leaning more to the object being something more exotic. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if they present a good, high-quality video, but they haven't done that. Right. No. Not to mention that that video is, uh, sorry, is is like uh, recorded from from someone's uh, computer screen. It's not the original video that Orbell may or may not have received from someone. So in the in some of the comments someone writes Nap and Corbell have had this case for years according to Nap how long did it take yeah. you to get this info and the, this was Stephen Greenstreet who posted it he writes 45 minutes yeah oh my gosh well so yeah. uh you know I was looking at some of those on Reddit as well the discussions on it and somebody linked to a comment um, and this is Mr. Cinco 96 is the commenter and uh, he says I was part of the uh, I was excuse me hold on I was part of the team in Iraq that replaced the guys who captured this, being the the jellyfish video. Never thought it would be dis- declassified. The original video shows this anomaly floating off into the lake after about 17 to 18 minutes. However, it disappears from there. I'm not aware of any video of it ascending into the sky. Our leading theory was it might have been something in front of the PTDS thermal sensor, some kind of lens artifact or some sort. But that still doesn't fully explain how it seemingly floated off into the lake. Talking to the team that was there, no one reported anything about it flying into the sky. So just kind of an interesting, we can't verify if that person was actually there, but to also hear somebody else say, it went into the water and yeah. that's it. And thinks that it was something in the camera lens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, um, but that's the thing. This stuff gets, gets dragged into the limelight by people like Corbell and stuff. And then suddenly it changes. So either they're, they're really good at pulling out little details and, and, and coming up with this stuff, or they're really good at, you know, I don't know, maybe convincing people they can monetize this stuff. Yeah. Kind of sounds like the latter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right. Uh, all, all, that wasn't the only video that was discredited. Well, this was, this is being talked about now in 2024, when in 2023, uh, Corbell released another video, one he claimed was a giant triangular craft that was hovering over some uh, airfield or something. And it was, after a few days, it was totally debunked and showed that it was just uh, flares mm. that were des- descending information. Right. Huh? Yeah, I remember that. Um, I was looking at, of all people, Jason Colavito's stuff. And, mm. uh, of course, Colavito is an, is an arch skeptic, but occasionally he makes some really good points. So I kind of like to follow him. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Um, and he said in January, Robert Tempo put out a press release announcing that UFOs are really probes from a sentient blob of plasma living between the earth and the moon. Mm. And, and then he writes, no one noticed. That's very specific. Sure. <laughs> What about Avi Loeb's uh, ocean balls? Ocean. Oh, <laughs> this was the 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 extraterrestrial uh, material, right? Right. Yeah. So Avi Loeb says he found, and and I forget where this was. Um, Papua New Guinea. Was it Papua New Guinea? Okay. Yeah. He says he found these. What he again feels he, he's asserting uh, is one hundred percent, you know, extraterrestrial materials that are these tiny little spheres of uh some sort of you know metallic mineral that he magnetic found spherules, the, yeah. yeah magnetic spherules well and i think i think a guy like him is allowed to conclude that these uh, metallic uh, traces are from extraterrestrial meaning not originating on the on exactly. the earth origin yeah. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. 
and I think that his main claim is that this comes from a meteorite that came uh, from outside our solar system, and this is yep. something that he and one of his assistants managed to deduce by tracing the trajectory of the object, tracing mm-hmm. its velocity. But I mean, things that these guys, astronomers, are trying to do. Yeah, so exactly. when he says this guy that, oh, he has a confidence that it is from outside the solar system, you know what? I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. obviously, there is the other possibility that he was floating that maybe this object was actually artificial in origin. And that's when I don't know, people right. will probably will start to have, uh, you know, to disagree. And also, aside from the, 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 the magnetic spheres, he also discovered... Uh, a little wire, I think. Oh, I yeah? Know if you remember, I don't remember this. Oh. Yes, it was a tiny, I mean, and tiny, I mean, eight millimeters in length. I mean, less, eight millimeters will be like uh, less than three quarters of an inch for you people right. yeah, using yeah. the archaic imperial <laughs> system. <laughs> Embrace the metric system in 2024, people. <laughs> Yeah, the it's true. Join us. It's nice. Uh, yeah, so he, he I, I don't remember, I think it was, he discovered that it was made of, of composed of uh, manganese and platinum. Right, yep. So that that was and also an interesting finding. Yeah. Huh. And I forget exactly how he was, but he, I feel like he did assert that there was something um, about them that again was helping or giving him, you know, not, I don't want to say further evidence, but something that helped in some way support or give him further avenues of research into his idea about probes, which is really his big thing, um, you know, uh, is looking into these, you know, or trying to find different types of probes that could be sent yeah, out he wrote there. A- yeah, yeah, he wrote a paper. I don't. He co-wrote a paper. I don't remember the name of the other okay. person. I think he was another uh, personality, uh, making the argument that Earth could be visited by small probes that could be deployed from a larger object, a lar- an That's object like Oumuamua. Yeah. You know, exactly. So I guess he's making the argument that an extraterrestrial civilization could could launch uh, a massive uh, interstellar object. That could then deploy smaller, smaller probes in order to uh, to conduct surveillance on a planet like ours. Oh. And obviously, it's an inter- it's an elegant argument, you know. Sure, who, sure. Who can- um, what I didn't realize as I'm perusing uh, what should we call Jason's uh, stuff here is that uh, Corey Good popped up in in this this year again. Says the release of a deposition given by Corey Good, the ufologist who claims to be in a secret U.S. space program that travels to the galaxy through the galaxy to battle aliens, showed that he would not repeat his ridiculous claims under oath. Right. Um, he also talks about getting off the UFO thing for a moment. Well, sort of. He says new seasons of the Curse of Oak Island and Secret of Skinwalker Ranch ran. Uh, I've never watched the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch because it just sounded uh, silly to me, honestly. I don't like most reality shows. However, I do like The Curse of Oak Island. Despite its reality show format, which drives me absolutely crazy, I think the stuff they're finding on the island is utterly fascinating. 
Do you know who also likes that show? Who? Robert Bigelow. Really? <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that he loves that show in um, an interview on New Think Aloud with Jeffrey Mishlov. So the biggest complaint I hear about it is people say, well, they never find anything. And I'm assuming by that they mean they haven't found a treasure. But the archaeological stuff they have dug up shows that there was an enormous amount of activity in this small, unassuming island going back possibly, you know, to the Middle Ages, which this could, is, I mean, a lot of this has to do with Templar stuff too, yeah, I mean, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it has the po possibility to write, rewrite North American history, you know, if they find the right stuff. I mean, I don't give a damn if they find treasure, to be totally honest with you. I'm interested in the other stuff they're finding, and they've been finding a ton of it. Yeah. I, I mean, also, a Templar sword could be treasure, you yeah. know, from our perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, they've definitely found Templar stuff there. Uh, whether it was mm. brought there by Templars or not, that's the question, you know. Um, mm. But there's the other thing that always strikes me. Like, they keep, now that they're looking at other parts of the island, they're like, well, what was this? This is a whole structure that was, like, buried. And I'm going, you know, who actually says X marks the spot? You know, the money pit, the whole story behind it is that, you know, they, they, they found a plaque that said, you know, 100 meters down or whatever is a treasure. Well, who hides treasure and then tells you where it is? Exactly. So it's almost yeah, like, is, yeah. this the, is this the is the money pit like the decoy? Because they actually hid something valuable somewhere else on the island, but no one's bothered to really look until now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a reasonable question to ask. I mean... You know, the how many seasons of that show has there been now and a how lot. many other attempts before that have there been to dig well, up the pit? This is the first and, one that seems to have made really significant progress. And part of the problem is someone in the, I want to say the 50s or 60s, uh, he was just excavating the entire area. And I think he ran out of money or it started to collapse or whatever. And he just filled the whole thing back in. So it obscured yeah. everything. You know, like they, they don't no longer know exactly where the money pit was. Um, but, you know, like I said, it the reality show format drives me nuts because they repeat stuff ad nauseum. They, you know, they yeah. always do the, oh, what's this? And then go to commercial, you know, and it's just like, okay, you know, we don't, we don't need this. We don't need the repetition, but the stuff they find is actually significant. Um, and I find like most reality shows, like I, I liked Ghost Hunters when it came out. I thought it was interesting. But has there really been any progress in paranormal reality shows? You know, they're still finding great. You got EVPs, you know, you don't have a shortage of EVPs. I mean, they're interesting, but like how much progress has really been made in, in uh, ghost hunting over the last year, over the last 10 years, over the last 20 years, you know? A lot of it's just the same old stuff again and again. At least with Oak Island, you're getting something that is is an unknown. We don't know why these people picked this island and why it was such a, a, a frequented area. The amount of artifacts they're finding is astounding. So, well, was it in any place that would have been, uh, you know, uh, part of like a, uh, a a boat route, like a stop on a boat route or well, anything? Well, it like could that? be, but there's a ton of mm. other islands there too. Okay, you know, gotcha. this is off the coast of Nova Scotia, and it's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's tons of of little islands there, but it's this one's the I think the only one with oak trees on it, mm. which, mm. which is also kind of oh, a weird okay. thing. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it seems like there's a lot of, uh, there's over the, over the decades and centuries, there's been a lot of activity on this tiny little Island. It's not very big wow. at all. 
I mean, there's I, I, I'm not surprised. Like, it's really mysterious, but I feel like there's so, like, you know, this planet has so much history that's not, uh, we just don't know about, that's not recorded. And maybe this is one that's really anomalous, but I was just reading something today, but I think like they found a new, you know, uh, Mesoamerican city in, like, was it Ecuador or something like that? Mm. Like another LIDAR. It's just, like, more. They just keep on popping up more and more and more, like... All oh, of yeah. South America yeah. and Central America was like, that was the place to be 3,000 years ago, apparently. Yeah. Well, the climate was probably right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one of the, the only uh, uh, upsides of, of the Amazons getting so much deforestation is that they keep finding more and more settlements right. yeah. uh, that were unheard of or even, you know, not even considered back uh I don't know, in, 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 in the 20th century, because the rationale then is what that uh, the tribes in the Amazons were only uh, primitive hunter-gatherers inca- incapable of having organized structure yeah. societies, the ones that you need in order to create uh, complex uh, urban settlements. You know, yeah. that, that, was, that was rationale, but then... Through these new technologies, lighter, and also unfortunately because of logging and deforestation, we found that that's not the case. And and we discussed on other shows and other uh, roundtables how uh, this discovery of uh, this technology called Terra Preta, you know, oh, this yeah. this yeah. very fertile earth that was it's an it's a human invention. It's it's something that was developed by some of the cultures living in these regions that allow them to have incredible crop yields, things that enable them to feed a larger amount of population than we previously thought of. Because, like I said, people thought that these were just struggling hunter-gatherers that were just, you know, happy to heal a tapir (laughs) once, once a week or something. Yeah. Uh, and that was studied actually in Cornell Mm -hmm. and they still, uh, I know Graham Hancock talked about, they have a whole theory on how it was made. That's incredibly complicated, like how it came about naturally. Mm -hmm. That's like overcomplicated to explain versus them actually knowing how to make it because they can't possibly give them that credit. Mm -hmm. Um, right. But I also, I wanted to read this because I fear, I fear that this is, uh, indicative of what we're going to get in the future. And uh, it's called the the article from June of this of 2023, not this year because we're in 2024. I think it might still be 2020. Um, Ancient city on Earth: Archaeological discovery sheds light on lost civilization. Uh, in a groundbreaking archaeological excavation, researchers have uncovered the remains of an ancient city, providing valuable insights into a lost civilization that once thrived in the region surrounded in mystery. This extraordinary discovery brings to light a rich tapestry of history, offering a glimpse into the daily lives, culture, achievements, and such of a forgotten people. The findings have captured the imagination of historians and archaeology enthusiasts alike, unraveling secrets that have lain dormant for centuries. And there's like a picture of a skeleton uh, being unearthed. Um, you know, like one of the most significant revelations from the excavation was the discovery of an extensive network of trade routes that connected Aurelia, which is the, 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 the place they discovered to distant lands. 
Artifacts and exotic goods from far-flung regions are unearthed, indicating bustling trade economy and a cosmopolitan society engaging in cultural exchange. The city's strategic location, nestled amidst key trade routes, likely contributed to its prosperity and cultural diversity. So I'm reading this and I'm going, there's a lack of data here. So eventually I stopped and I, I googled Aurelia and it doesn't exist. This entire article was created by an AI. Mm. And, there you go. And yep. posted there as fact. And it says by Vlad Diacono for anciently.net. But like there's literally every single paragraph reads like the ones I read where it talks about things but gives you no actual details. Right. Did it show any photographs or something? Just just a picture of a skeleton. Okay. A picture of a skeleton but without any type of reference. Right. right. Um, you know, and like the conclusion, the discovery of the ancient city of Aurelia has unlocked a gateway to the past, offering a tantalizing glimpse Aurelia. into a lost civilization and rekindling our fascination with mysteries of antiquity. This remarkable find reminds us of the ceaseless wonders that lie hidden beneath the earth's surface, patiently waiting to be discovered. Um, but again, like I was, I was like, there's literally no information here. It doesn't say where it is. Yeah, it's, it's just fluff. It's like the kind of yeah. paper you write when you are uh, in high school or when you are in your first yeah. year of college, and you just yeah. read one page, and you need to create like a three thousand word <laughs> essay. <laughs> right. So you just have to fluff everything. <laughs> And and I feel like this is this is going to be saying we're going to see more and more of in the future. Oh yes, because yes, it sounds yes. really exciting. Oh, I'm sure, completely, yeah. And it's completely devoid of any information and has no basis in truth. But how, at some point, how do you tell the difference? Yeah. Other than the fact that this is very poorly done, obviously, because there's no data. Yeah, yeah. Recently, I've been I've been seeing these uh, examples of people who are think. They are, quote-unquote, correcting or enhancing uh, old photographs using AI. Mm -hmm. And you see the before and after. You, you even see they have this slider in the image. So they move it from left yes. to right to yeah, see yeah. the before. And you see that the AI is totally changing the image. Like, mm -hmm. it's changing the features of the people in the image. They, it's changing, like, it's adding letters where there were none so it's 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 total garbage yep, and, yep and 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 people are saying well regardless of the unethical aspect of this because obviously ai is a result of of using uh, uh large language uh, models that are being trained using millions and millions and millions of of copyrighted uh you know information yeah uh this thing, if used en masse, it's going to be a major problem for historians in the future. True. Yeah. That's a good point, too. I mean, just the fact that it we can alter you, this stuff ourselves is going to be a problem. It really, mm -hmm. I mean, it makes you wonder about a lot of the things that we find that we have very little, and again, I'm getting very general here and away from 2023, but it, it makes me think of, you know, when we find uh, ar archaic, you know, even something that we have a lot of voluminous, you know, um, material on like Dead Sea Scrolls and, uh, Nag Hammadi, uh, you know, what if, and, you know, uh, a lot of this was, uh, uh, the, a fandom that was, you know, in the same way that people have like 
you know, the voluminous writing that's out there for like Star Trek or Star Wars fandom or something like that. Or, you know, like how, how knowing how people sort of interacted with the popular culture, even if it was religion or, you know, spirituality at the time, um, like the, the, the wild guesses that people make about Egypt and stuff like that, as much as I respect, you know, the, the ability for, uh, academics and people who study things to be able to figure out mysteries, there still is this level of, uh, I think unconscious bias that comes, you know, to, to a lot of people where they just don't believe that things could be other than the way that they were taught in terms of like the, the, the arrow of time and the worldview of things only getting better and, you know, from primitive to non-primitive. Right, so I think right. the complex right. ways that we think about culture now, I feel like we, you have to assume that everybody else, like there could be just as complex things as meme culture or, you know, whatever, whatever BS there that we have, um, that we're like, you know, into these days, I feel like the complexity of it, that we should assume that humans had equally complex ways of engaging with things. So assuming that it was like one with this way or that way, or that this meant that they were living a certain way or that this record is, you know, I mean, we see this all the time when people are talking about the pyramids being, uh, you know, tombs, that's very much an assumption that people have run with for a long time. But I think even in the day, day to day sort of sociocultural interactions of people, um, there's a lot more that could be going on in, in less of a simplistic way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, w- one example of that is, um, the mystery of these small metallic dodecahedrons oh, yeah. right. are yeah. found uh, oh, from yeah. the time of the Romans. Yeah. And it's an interesting conundrum because we only can learn about things in the past if the ancients bother to write about it or to pass on that information. But if it's something that is so maybe trivial to them or so mundane that they don't bother to to talk about it because they assume everybody knows what they're what they are then it has the risk of being lost to time forever so getting back to to these dodecahedrons nobody knows what their purpose were they don't know if they were used maybe for some kind of like game or maybe they were used to like like threading or something like that. Yeah, did, didn't some or, grandmother show that they could be used to make gloves? I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Someone tried to use, see if they, they could use it to, with a needle or something to, to, to make some kind of like uh, you know piece of clothing. And remember how the, the joke of historians is if they don't understand the function of an object. Oh, well, this is, this is for religious purposes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, it's that old joke. Well, that didn't Robert Temple did a whole book and I know Robert Temple's got his own, you know, uh, weird biases, but you know, he did this whole book on lenses. I think, I think it was him that did it. And, you know, in like Roman, it was either Greek or Roman I'm forgetting because it's been a while since I read it, but like everybody had, a little lens that they would use to start fires with. And it was like, you could like pick them up at like the corner store. Uh, And there are all these, these devices like the Antikythera mechanism that are all around in museums 
that mm-hmm. are le- these these really sophisticated lenses that they insist these museums insist they're not lenses and they put them away if people start getting freaky about them and you know saying that they're lenses and wanting to study them and stuff like that um yeah it's that one sounds example. about right yeah i didn't know that yeah, and I guess they had, and I, I'm. It's been a while since I've I've read it. I even forget the name of the book. I'm still think it's Robert Temple, but they were. Yeah, it's like everybody at some point. It was either in Greek or Roman history, like you know, in the same way that everybody had a lighter. You know, if you smoke, uh, everybody had these like little these little uh, lenses that they mm-hmm. would use to you know start fires. Um, it's very interesting. And you know, when you talk about the antikythera mechanism, I mean, we've discussed this before, but that doesn't just pop in. There's not, that's not like a one-off. Right. And no, the fact right. There, there should be a continuation of, of development that results in that, that you ought to be able to find. Right. And we right. can't, and that tells us how little of what is there that we really do find. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it took us forever to figure out what it was because it was so advanced that we had trouble figuring out the, the, the whole mechanism. Right. Yeah, exactly. What do you and mean? It was a time for, travel device for yes, uh, exactly. Indy to go back in time. Say, yeah, well, for <laughs> any Indiana Jones fans, 2023 <laughs> was the year that Indiana Jones uh, met the dial of the dial of destiny, which is the antikythera <laughs> mechanism. Which you know, I I was I was happy. I was happy with that. It was yeah. a fun idea. movie. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah, it was it good. Was I, I, yeah. Originally, I guess they weren't going to go all the way. That spoilers here uh, for anybody, but the ending that they had, where there is some time travel involved, was not going to happen. Ah. Which oh. would be a very boring movie if that was the case. <laughs> right. Um, so on, on the subject of AI, occasionally there's good AI things. Um, and this one is uh, from Microsoft. The company used AI systems on to screen more than 32 million battery candidates. From that, they were able to make a new material that could transform how batteries work. The new kind of battery might reduce lithium requirements by about 70%, reducing the reliance on a metal that is expensive and ethically problematic, which is to say the least. Um, but Microsoft yeah. also says that it, it is a major breakthrough for AI, showing how the technology could be used for real and transformative <laughs> breakthroughs and found much more quickly than ever before. So it did make me think of it in terms of uh, just that iteration of it sounded a lot to me like the kind of beneficial AI that you get in like the Star Trek universe where you'll be like, all right, computer, tell me, you know, how many different permutations of this metal can we get to create this type of thing? And that's, it is positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If that's really what happened. And it, it seems to me that the problem is people are expecting AI to be something it's not like, you know, we, this year yeah. they, they is the year they, that, that, uh, Oh, was it a weight loss center that just fired all its people and just used AI? Oh, that's right. And yeah, it started yeah, yeah. giving people horrible device uh, advice. Yeah. Eating There's disorder been ma- ma- massive layoffs of tech companies uh, from the beginning of the year. Uh, software companies and studios uh, that are threatening to replace a lot of their workforce with AI. Yeah, and it's it's not something that can do that. No, but they're sure going to try because, yep. you know, you you uh, fire people and you manage to reduce costs and you get bonuses for all the people in management. And that's at the, at the end of the day, that's all they care for. And I find it also hilarious that at this point in history, we're getting, you know, after, after all these companies like Walmart and stuff uh, pushed self-checkouts 
a lot of them are finding that self-checkouts are problematic and they have to hire extra security and extra door checkers and all this because people are stealing yeah. stuff. And so now they're talking about getting rid of the self-checkouts and it's like, you people are idiots. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are idiots. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, I'm all for AI like being used to find uh, vaccines quicker, sure. to find new alloys, to even help us. I, I think they've been trying to use to help decode uh, ancient manuscripts that are in such a poor state. Yes. They are. You cannot even like uh, unfold them, right? Yeah. Because they are too crumpled. So you only have to try to scan them and see if AI can discern the patterns. Hey, go for that. That that's the thing I want to see. But I don't want to see people who want to uh, replace their workforce and tell us that this is the way of go of the future. Adapt or die. And Another of the stories that uh, broke in 2023 was how Sam Altman, who was who is the CEO of OpenAI, was fired and rehired in the span of a week, <laughs> and because of a, there, this rumor that they had had some major breakthrough uh, with their a, a very secretive project. I think the name is QSTAR. Yeah. So everybody was going wild with saying, oh my God, these guys just created Skynet <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it reminded me of all these uh, you know, hyperbole that happened back in the 90s or maybe uh, in the beginnings of the 2000s uh, when this guy, Dean Kamen, who is an American inventor, Created something called uh, uh, well, you know what we're going to say. This, so, some people uh, speculated that he had actually managed to create this uh, hovercraft, and all these people in tech saying, "Oh my God, this invention is going to change the way we design cities." Yeah, yeah. and it was just this thing that is now used by cops in in malls. What yeah. is the name? The set. The segway. Seg right? Yeah. It was just that. <laughs> it's like that. That's it. It's it's, it's a segue. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, dude, where's my hover hoverboard? Right, my hoverboard. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Um. So there was a a uh, Avi Loeb quote where he said that aliens likely use AI, and that uh. AI should run the world to take inferior humans out of the equation. Yeah. Ah. My goodness. Uh. Like yeah, that's, that's what that, it was. Yeah. That that's the thing that's going to get us into trouble is thinking like that. Not I don't I don't think it's going to be Skynet. It's going to be us relying yeah. on something that is not made to be relied on like that. There, so, there is this uh this series of books that's written by um uh I think Ian Banks Ian Banks I'm forgetting the name of it, but there's this series. It's called the the Polity series, and it's essentially it's a sci-fi series. Um. Uh, what happens in it is that at some point, you know, the AI that humans create on Earth does decide to do that. But it's it's beneficial in a way in that it becomes like they call it the quiet war, where basically just all of a sudden without violence, just one day the AIs control things. And they're like, 
we're going to do things in a way that seems, you know, more efficient and better. And it ends up being very much like how humans did it. Uh, but you know, without the, without the human wars and stuff like that. Um, and it, it's funny because in the books themselves, the AIs have personalities and they're like these godlike creatures and you get to, you know, see how they interact and stuff like that. So very much a sci-fi book, but you know, yeah. um, I did like the fact that there was something that wasn't a completely dystopian AI uh, future and that, you know, it, it essentially creates a post-scarcity world where, you know, we can go out and fight evil crab creatures, which is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is. This is. That's the future. That's the fantasy. I think that uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Cre- I created, I created, I wrote an article, well, some kind of essay for the Daily Grail called UFOs, AI, and the ELISA effect to point out how uh, we really, I feel we really are uh, fooling ourselves in thinking that these modern algorithms are anywhere near uh, the level of of something that someone will be able to call sentience. And and we have as humans this proclivity to assign sentience and agency to things that are really inanimate and back in the 60s you know there were one of the first chatbots developed by mit was elisa and it was a very yes. simple yeah. chatbot symptoms compared to the one we have nowadays chatbot chat gpt and all that but nevertheless very intelligent people felt that the program had a level of empathy and was understanding of their issues, you know, so they formed this kind of like uh, uh, empathic bond with the chatbot. So uh, that's the thing that we uh, probably many of these people who think that ChatGPT is the greatest thing ever, they are deluding themselves and they are oblivious to the fact that the, the, the chatbot is just churning stupid responses, you know, that in, in, in modern parlance terms are called hallucinations. Basically, the chatbot is giving you false information, but uh, people, uh, they don't, they discard that. They, they, they don't realize that. And, and I even in that uh, essay speculated that maybe we're doing the same with the UFO phenomenon. Maybe we're also sure. deluding ourselves in thinking, oh my God, we're dealing with some highly advanced intelligence that is so far ahead of ourselves and we just don't understand their intentions. Well, maybe the UFO is some type of dumb phenomenon that we are ascribing a superior intelligence just because it's outside of our, our of our understanding. That could be. We got to mm-hmm. take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, quick mid show break. Um, contact info first. Where to the road go dot com. If you don't already know, that is where you can find everything. Where to the road go related shows all the way back to the very first one. And uh, all our social media connections, our Discord, Twitter, well, X, uh, Facebook page, Facebook group, uh, everything. Uh, and if you go to the contact section, you will find the email to send us things like uh, weird stories that have happened to you, weird weird experiences you've had, stories at wheretotheroadgo.com. Uh, if you want to check out my music show, it's The Last Exit for the Lost. That's at thelastexit.org. It's a lot of heavy music and dark music that you're probably not going to hear everywhere else. And as for a recommendation, I am listening to a podcast currently that is very, very good with um, 
Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien called Who Killed JFK? And it's excellent. It is uh, exploring all the different reasons why it clearly was not a uh, single shooter and all the cover-ups and all the CIA uh, games. And it's not something I would have expected from people with such high-profile names. It is, if you're interested in this stuff, it's well worth the listen. It's very well done. It's just called Who Killed JFK with a question mark. And being that it's, you know, uh, big names, it's going to come up fairly easily. So I don't generally recommend a lot of big name podcasts, but this one I think is important because it is dealing with something that has been relegated to uh, conspiracy theory for a very long time. And uh, I like that Rob Reiner points out that, you know, conspiracies do happen. Not every conspiracy theory is nonsense. It's just some people jump to everything's a conspiracy and it kind of waters down the pool, you know, waters down everything and uh, waters down the pool. Is that a phrase? I don't think that's a phrase. Uh, Waters everything down. And uh, there are some real, real uh, nefarious stuff, things going on out there, uh, especially with JFK. So I I recommend that. That's uh, been really good. I don't even know what episode I'm up to because they're not numbered. But uh, there's quite a few of them. There's like at least 10 episodes, and it's it's extremely well done. All right, that's my recommendation for you for this week. Now back to the show. So I am here with Red Pill Junkie. Hello. Super infra-Saxon man. Hello, hello. And Christopher Ernst. I have a boring name. <laughs> the astonished. Um, you, you mentioned Eliza uh, before we took the break, and I actually had that on my Commodore 64. And it was mm-hmm. interesting to play with, but it was also, I mean, it, it was meant as like a therapeutic tool. So basically, yeah. anything you said, it kind of reframed as a question, you know, like you'd, right. you'd say something and say, well, how do you feel about that? You know, that, which, mm-hmm. you know, is what a lot of therapists will do. So, yeah, the exactly. illusion of empathy can definitely be there because it's quote, listening in a sense, but it's only listening to rephrase the question to you. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you're talking to yourself and working things out, but you're using the computer to help. Yeah, exactly. You're, you, it, yeah. It, it, it reflects back your own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, speaking of AI, there was a very good movie that came out this year called The Creator. Have any of you seen I it? I saw it. I saw it. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it either. I liked it. I liked it visually. It was gorgeous. Oh, yes. It was was absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. I don't think I liked the the premise of the plot too much. I think it was kind of like uh, silly. I liked yeah. some of the. Point. I like Garrett I liked... Edwards in general, but I was it was uh, 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 I, I I haven't had a chance to see it yet, and I I I, I don't know. I haven't heard very good things about it. But I, I really liked it, but I also really liked. Not? Yeah, I liked the way that it presented some of the problems of AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, without getting into spoilers, I mean, there, there's something that happens that turns people against AI, and it may not have been AI's fault. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it kind of felt very real to me. When, when they reveal that. And it is a beautiful-looking movie as well, and it's very yeah. jarring with the the, uh, the warfare sort of aspects of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I yeah, enjoyed I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely watch it, but I have It's worth your while, yeah. yeah. If nothing else, you'll enjoy the way it looks. For sure. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what else has happened this year? Um, we had- uh, we got to talk about Grush at some point. We do? Are you sure? <laughs> Well, it's the biggest thing that happened, <laughs> let's be honest. That is true. Um, has he even really been in the news as of late? I mean, has he kind of, because I think 
the last I heard, mm-hmm. after saying repeatedly that he did not actually see Kraft, he started claiming that he had seen Kraft. I didn't uh, hear that. that. I mean, I, I listened. The last thing I heard him, I think, was the Rogan interview I listened to. Oh, I don't know if anybody else listens. I know you listen to Rogan sometimes. I, li- I, lis- I, I listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't didn't I don't remember hearing him say anything in that. No, he didn't say that. And I and I think that idea that maybe that he is changing his stance, I don't know, maybe that is the result of manipulation on behalf of Jeremy Corbell and these new TMZ uh series that he's creating and people pointed out that oh look he's manipulating using post production. Yeah. He's editing it out to, to make it sound like Rush's is now admitting that he saw something uh, like yeah. mm-hmm. like a craft, but when that uh, footage was taken from the uh, congressional hearing that happened in July of 2023, and when he was asked point blank if he had actually seen a craft, uh, first he wanted he he tried to like deviate the dodge, dodge the question and said, "Well, I have to be very careful." with with what uh, um, I can say or not say. But then when he was pressed, he said he didn't see any craft. So okay. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't hear I didn't hear him say any of that. But it seems like he has been at this point fully entered, you know, uh, fully monetized and politicized. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's that's the the pretty predictable path that it's on right now. And I and I, I feel think, yeah. I think the people behind him made a better choice with him than they did with uh, the guy from Blink One Eighty Two, who just seemed to kind of snap. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, I don't know, like the the logic behind why someone thought that Blink Eighty Two, like that Tom DeLonge would be a good person for whatever <laughs> that was. I mean, either yeah. the, it, it could be that's just like stupid boomer logic, honestly. Well, oh, oh, like, yeah, be, yeah. You know, some old guy who's like the kids like the punk rock. Yeah, and this guy Tom DeLonge, <laughs> I hear he's one of the best punk rockers. You know, and he's I interested mean, it, it in UFOs. Could be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, that always seemed to be like a really strange choice. Very, very strange. But um, and, and, and Grush seems much more like you know what I would expect. Yeah. But uh, here's the question: Do you think that the people who uh, point quote unquote picked Tom DeLonge are the same people that are now switching to David Grush? Yeah, I don't mm, know. That's a good question. Good like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Be- I don't know. It's a good question. And I because my my, my my hunch is that what the thing is with 2023, and this is when I I I, I actually tried to reread all the UFO stories that the Daily Grail had linked uh, through throughout the year. I only got into uh, un- until July. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously, the feeling that I got is that there was a lot of things that supposedly happened behind the curtain. All these rumors about meetings with people in Congress, people in the Senate, whistleblowers, of which Grosh was only one of them. You know, people who were apparently uh, telling, uh, you know, Schumer and Rubio and, and Burchette and all this that there was this kind of UFO program. So everything behind the curtain. So this is the kind of the disclosure that supposedly we're getting. Like, oh, everything is happening behind closed doors. 
and but people should still be happy because you know i mean it is secrecy but it is secrecy going towards the goal that people want to have which is you know the the higher ups in the pentagon and the white house admitting yeah yeah you know what there are there are aliens you know we know all about it but getting back to grosh i don't know i i, I feel there the, my, my feeling and this is something that i've been thinking since i don't know 2018 is that we're seeing what we're seeing is uh, like the tip of an iceberg of of some type of fight be- between different factions within and without outside the government that are fighting to get mm-hmm. control of the UFO agenda. Yeah, you know? and and not only the UFO agenda, but even maybe uh, possibly, well, allegedly. UFO materials that may or may not be in possession of the government or maybe uh, private corporations like Lockheed Martin. This is the rumor, like Lockheed Mm -hmm. Martin is one of the companies that may or may not have remnants of a UFO and maybe they want to get rid of them or maybe they don't, but somebody will would eventually get a hold of them to try to pick, pick up where they left right in in trying to understand the technology and my feeling is that david grosh is part of one of the factions maybe not the same faction that elizondo and tom delong were part of maybe a faction that is more aligned with gary nolan with diana pasulka with jacques valet you know and this is all the people who uh, created the the newly founded uh, soul foundation which is which i think it was announced back in i want to say september of 2023 i'm not sure but anyway this uh the soul foundation is this new i think they they advertise themselves as a think tank they want to be like the go-to people whenever government finally take ufo seriously and my suspicion is that david grosh was trying to be the person that would influence people in congress in order to make decisions and to appoint you know some kind of like committee or group of of people in academia in science that will be in charge of deciding what type of information held by the government could be disclosed to the public and what type of information could still have to be classified Um, when I had Marty Garza on, one of the things he was speculating about is that they've actually had made some new breakthroughs in things like fusion and that this was kind of how they're bringing about disclosure of that. Like the, like the end game is to, to bring that out rather than having anything to do with UFOs. Mm. Huh. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure either. You know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I always think. You know, Nap is uh, a, a patriot, you know, in his way. And I always assume that he's an asset in some way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anytime I see him working with anybody, I'm always kind of like, okay, like how much of this in the person he's working with are they bringing to him? And how much is it, hey, we've got to put this together to put it out there? Uh, mm. And of course, it, it's also helpful that uh, you know he makes money off of it too. Sure. So you know, yeah. I, well, go ahead, Red Pill. And there's also competition between uh, the people who are uh, the people in the media uh, that are trying to cover th- these developments. Yeah. 
Like, for example, the first article that appeared on the media about David Grosh uh, happened, uh, I guess I have here the date, but it will take uh, a bit to take, to find it. But it was uh, published in Micah Hanks' The Debrief and was written by Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal. And that's when David Grosh jumped into the spotlight. Yeah. And that same day, there was this big... Uh, a video interview with Ross Coulthard from News Nation. And uh, the rationale that Leslie and Ralph went used the debrief instead of a more uh, established uh, media outlet like the New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, all those, is because they were trying to protect Dave Rush because his identity had been compromised and he was receiving threats and all that. Uh, but then, uh, some weeks later, there was an, an article in Vanity Fair. Uh, someone wrote something to the effect of, I know why the New York Times didn't pick the, the story of Dave Grosh. And that's because Keane and Blumenthal actually like uh, offered the story yeah. to the New York Times and also to the Washington Post. Right. And none of these outlets uh, wanted to publish it before it was properly petted. Yeah. Like right. they, they had this yep. protocol yep. to bet and right. to see and, and corroborate uh, uh, what is going to be published. And neither Leslie or Ralph wanted to wait because the excuse is they wanted to protect Rush. But my personal feeling, this is me, Miguel, speculating here, uh, my own bias, is that they had heard that Ross Coulthard was going to beat them with his video interview of Grosh, and that's why they rushed mm -hmm. to release their article with the debrief. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let, yeah. nothing to do to protecting Grosh. It was trying to 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 protect their exclusivity. So, so let me ask you guys this: with all of this disclosure stuff and Grosh and all these people, Louis Alzando and stuff, they've kind of taken control. Of the UFO narrative, like yes, you know, we're, we're when uh, hopefully we'll be doing a UFO history show in a few weeks, and I'm I'm looking at stuff, and most of it's all this stuff. Like anything <laughs> else going on is just it's not there anymore. They've wiped it off the board, which makes me wonder if that's part of the plan to control the entire UFO narrative by you know flooding us yeah. with this stuff. To such a degree that anything genuine just kind of slips through the cracks. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it really does take up all of the bandwidth. I yeah. mean, and then, you know, when you see people that are newer to the conversation, I suppose is the best way to describe it, they don't know any of the other stuff is out there. True. Um, and, yeah. you know, they just know UAPs and, you know, uh, congressional hearings that, you know, I, I think Grush's hearing was to put him over because um, nobody gets in trouble for what they say in front of Congress, <laughs> you know, and especially when you go back to like, well, I could tell you about that, but it would need to be in the skiff. Well, yeah. he didn't have clearance to get in the skiff anymore because he was no longer uh, in the position he was in. Right. So, yeah, yeah you know, it was just like, uh, that's. A convenient answer, <laughs> but you know, you really just say it, it's a good cover for not having an answer too. Yeah. Um, no, it, I, I think there's probably something to what red pill is saying about a bit of a fight over this space 
and oh, sure. also completely controlling it too. And and what what was the whole thing the the amendment that they were trying to push through that someone in this field actually made sure wouldn't get pushed through or something? I'm trying to remember the details. Yeah, the there. Schumer amendment. A Schumer amendment. Yeah, but didn't yeah, they, yeah. let's say yeah. Didn't somebody try what? to like someone who was involved in the whole disclosure movement create that or push help push that through? I think so. You know, it was it was a UFO or UAP transparency or something like that was what it was called, if I'm remembering right. And supposedly by the time it got to committee or got through it, it had been like completely gutted anyway and was worthless. I I don't know. Uh, but, you know, all yeah. of this stuff, it, it, it makes for good political TV, political theater TV. Um, the amount of bills that people, you know, submit and elected officials submit that never see the light of day is pretty staggering. Oh yeah. But it gives you a talking point to say, Hey, I tried to do this and here's what I tried to do. And it's a way of, you know, getting your own political cloud as an elected official, but it's not really something that, you know, it, it really doesn't have any meaning. It just seems like it does on TV. Like, I don't know people who are not as knowledgeable about the, the subject as we are, what they would think about all these developments, I think the, the, the kind of uh, cognitive dissonance you could get from, on the one hand, you have Sean Kirkpatrick, who was the head of Arrow, would actually, he stepped down by the end of, 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 of last year. Uh, before that, he had also a few hearings, not only before the Senate, but also as part of the the NASA study that the NASA independently tried to make some kind of like uh, uh, independent panel to try to assess UFO information. You know, their goal was, according to them, to try to create a, a roadmap uh, for for scientists in order to understand the phenomenon. But you have NASA and you have Arrow telling people that so far they haven't found any evidence that UFOs are of non-human origin or extraterrestrial or that display physics that are beyond our comprehension. They said that repeatedly, even when showing, uh, in the case of Kirkpatrick, uh, a few things that are actually, to my mind, you know, someone who has seen hundreds of blurry videos, the, the videos of that uh, little sphere moving around, I think it was in, 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 in Mosul or, or in oh, yeah. some part of Iraq. That was an interesting video. You know, it could be a balloon, more than likely. But even Kirkpatrick himself said that they weren't able to uh, debunk it. Yeah. And he used the typical, like, blue book uh, explanation that, well, we don't have enough information to actually go and study. If we had that information, we surely we will find some kind of, like, mundane, uh, you know, theory for that or but getting back to my point you have nasa and you have arrow say telling to the american public and the world sorry no aliens so far you know just chinese balloons and drones and clutter uh, which is still something they need to to look into it because they need to think of aviation safety not just for uh military pilots, but also for commercial aviation. But on the other hand, you have Rush, you know, coming into the scene and say, guess what? We do have 
alien craft and even some pilots, you know, in some pickle jars somewhere. And and we need to get it. We need to inform to the American public that. So you have one people saying something so dull and so boring. And on the other hand, you have this guy telling the most amazing story of the century with, with no evidence whatsoever to back it up. So I don't know to the the average Joe out there. I don't know what they will think of that. You know, probably they would just uh, I don't know raise their their shoulders and say, well, whatever, and they go on and, and and pick up their phone again. Well, what once Grush gives us the real story, which is that they actually have a time machine that can go back seven days that was reverse <laughs> uh, uh, taken from Roswell. You know, that's that's the real story they're leading up to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I yeah, real? at some point Grush will say he like did you know it'll evolve and he'll be like oh yeah I did a ten and back totally yeah <laughs> the uh, that that that's a uh, I ref- was from the Serpo project yeah yeah that yeah, was a exactly. reference to the TV show Seven well, Days for anyone who didn't get well, it well, he didn't say uh, Serpo but he says something even even more crazy that to, to telling the story about the first uh, alien craft. That, that was a, uh, taken by the U.S. government that crashed in the 1930s and was recovered by Benito Mussolini in Italy, oh, and yeah. that the Americans learned about that through the Vatican. You know, and and this is the story That's that right. he I said. That. Yeah, I did too. Yep, he did. The problem is that there are ufologists in Europe who have investigated that story, and and they are convinced that the story is bogus. It has no legs. Well, didn't he also kind of support like Majestic Twelve and all that? I believe so. Not sure. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not sure he has ever said anything with regards to Majestic Twelve. No, uh, no I don't hang, think so. Hang on, though. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was here in this thing Colavito wrote. He's um, never also debunked uh, Lazar either. You know, he hasn't uh, never neither confirmed nor nor denied Bob Lazar story. He just doesn't touch it. And, and as you pointed out uh, via X, uh, there's a new Bob Lazar series coming. A new, a new, a new movie or something. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> I'm, sick of, I, I'm sick of him. Um, and, and the thing about Lazar is no matter what you think of the man, if you really put that information out there and it wasn't meant to be put out there, you would be uh, either so far in a hole somewhere or you'd be exactly. six feet under. Exactly. You would be... Buried somewhere in the desert between Los Angeles and Las Vegas, <laughs> or, in an or marked grave, or like the reporter who uh, who broke the whole Iran Contra thing, who ended up committing suicide by shooting himself in the head twice. Gary Webb. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or or, or uh, defecting to another country that didn't have an extradition treaty with us. Yeah. Yeah, like Snow then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am not finding it, but somewhere in here, uh, Jason mentions that Rush. Uh, referenced uh, Majestic 12 and something else. Mm. I just don't. I'm up to August and I'm not finding it. I kind of scanned over it earlier and didn't mention it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, so, it it's, it's obvious oh, that okay. Grosh received his information for pe- from people like Eric Davis. Uh, so there is so the, the famous uh, Wilson memo mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Made, well, that has made all the controversy in the last three or four years. That was found in the archives of, of the late Dr. Edgar, Edgar Mitchell. And that's why people learned that Eric Davis 
met with this Admiral uh, Wilson, who was, I don't remember the, the title, the, the, these intelligence uh, titles are so difficult to remember, Undersecretary of, of Intelligence or Penta Defense Intelligence, something to that effect. Anyway, this guy apparently was trying to track one of the, these uh, UFO uh, uh, reverse engineering programs, and he basically was denied access. And he got mad about it, but his superiors told him to let, just like let it go. Otherwise, his career would suffer, and he will never make like secretary of intelligence or something right, like that. Right. And the thing is that. The journalist Billy Cox uh, reached reached out to him to, to try to confirm the story, and Admiral Wilson just denied this. Denies it, says that it never happened. He never met with Wilson, and people like Ross Coulthard they give the excuse and saying, "Well, of course he will say that because he has he's obliged to deny it because it is so sensitive." Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's the catch twenty two. So. The clip I saw was uh, Jason wrote in an interview with Jesse Michaels, David Grush endorsed ancient astronaut claims and Majestic 12 style cons conspiracies. So not Majestic 12 itself, ah. but mm, I saw that video and there's a part in which he gets into speculation mode, but I don't remember. I do not remember him saying anything with regards to Majestic 12. Maybe he well, he says Majestic to, 12 to, style conspiracy. Yeah. So necessarily maybe yeah. maybe Majestic he said 12. something to the effects of ancient aliens, saying that the, the, the phenomenon has been here for thousands of years, you know, which is something that is not preposterous to consider. He even said something that to me was intelligence that uh, and and I and I'm sure that I have mentioned this same idea in one of these roundtables years before. Uh, he said that maybe UFOs are uh, bossing nuclear sites not because they are interested in our nuclear capabilities or they're, they're trying to stop World War III, but maybe it's some type of reaction like the same way a moth would be attracted to a light bulb. Right, you know, right. It's, it's mm. something that I think it makes sense. It's something that I have considered uh, myself. So the guy is intelligent, and also the guy has, he says he has degrees in physics, so he also talks about, he made the reference to Flatland, which is also something that I appreciate. I, I've yes. also made yeah. the connection to Flatland and, and thinking that maybe the UFO phenomenon is some kind of like hyperdimensional presence in our reality. So maybe you see you see the saucer in the sky, but maybe the saucer is just uh, a 3D projection of a 4D or 5D object, yeah. right? Right, right. Well, uh, let's continue this in yeah. the Patreon because we are out of time. But uh, Red Pill, where can people find you? Uh, well, they can find me at the Daily Grail, where they, they will find the, the best stories of 2023, not just about UFOs, but about science, ancient history, conspiracy thinking. And that was that was written by, by my friend Greg Taylor, who is the owner of the Daily Grail. And they also can find me at my personal website, absurdbydesign.com. I am open for commissions. I need to eat. Please hire me. <laughs> Chris, where can people find you, Chris? Yes, I'm here. My mic is being really weird tonight. Sorry about that, That's everybody. Right. I was trying to speak. You can go to brightrectangle.com, or you can usually hear, if you want to hear me talk, this is the place I'll be. 
and Saxon, you you can be found lurking where? Uh, I hang around the Discord a little bit, and uh, you can find me on Instagram under Super Inframan. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take a moment here to thank all of my Patreons. Without you, this show would not be possible. And I want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging $10 or more. Greg Ross, Illuminati, Chuck Shutters, Leanne Cherry, Matt in Delaware, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, Stephen St. George, 36 Dingo, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Matthew Sproul, Midnight Review presents Christine, a blue second-gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Andrew Malone, Ann Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Bright Rectangle, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy and Communicable, CJ, Craig Parmenter, Diane B, MTK, Eric Citron, Eric Todd, History and Coffee, Jay, Jay Otto Bullet, Jack Huntington, James Lindsay, Jim and Sophie, John Mattingly, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L, Laser Printer Jam, Lauren McLean, Linda, Linz Jackson K, MJ Armstrong, Mark Brady, Mr. Weird, Oli Andre Olar, Paul Jeffries, Perry Peters, Philosopher of Mirrors, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Sharon, Schmooples, Devourer of Mortal Souls, Stacy Sherwood, Stevie Norman, Strange Stories with the Seeker and Skeptic Podcast, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, The Esoteric Book Club Podcast, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Veroche K, Victoria Elant, Vincent Trewell, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Annabelle Smith, Caroline Walker, and TDT Skunk Works. Thank you all so very, very much. All right, there is a Patreon segment to go along with this show where we continue talking about some of the stuff uh, from 2023 as well as branching out a little bit. Um, I want to give a special shout out to some new patrons this week, James Burke. Edward Clay Vanoy and Dave Baxter. Thank you guys so much for joining up. I hope you enjoyed the extra content. And of course, where to the roadgo.com is where you can go to become a patron. Uh, just click on the big Patreon link and uh, that will take you there. All right. I will see all of you next time. Come in. Do you read me? Do you understand the numbers pouring over your connection? Soaking into our transmission 
listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. <laughs>